Hi, everyone, and welcome to Between Two Curators, the podcast where two friends and, well, um, curators discuss art, life, and what or rather who inspires them. I'm Jen. And I'm Cliff. And for this grand debut episode, uh, in a time where everything from gift lists to cafe menus to even your sock drawer are curated, we want to approach the question, what is curating? What is curating? Indeed. We're making it really simple for ourselves. Um, But we thought that we'd kick off this question by doing something that we do best, which is talking about talking. (laughs) Um, Or in other words, communicating art. The way that this started was, was it a couple of weeks ago, Cliff, when I started this little series called Art Bites, and I figured we could provide concise information and tidbits on exhibitions, artists, and I invited you to be a guest, and turns out people wanted to hear more from you. Um, yeah, although I, I do remember that. People always want to hear more from you, Jen. Um, but I, <laughs> I think, um, generally speaking, that's the gist, and, and um, art's such a rich field and has so much to offer art and artists. Um, the way they think about the world and, and the things that art opens up um, uh, for you to be able to see the world in different ways, um, that there's always so much to talk about and so many interesting um, people and things and, and, and um, ideas out there. And, and we just wanted to get going with um, a little bit of a dialogue here um, between two curators yeah. uh, to um, to exchange some ideas and, and also to bring um, some interesting people into the fold, interesting people that, that we meet along the way, along our travels, um, which are at this moment in time from the lounge <laughs> to the bedroom to the bathroom and back again, uh, kitchen as well. They're extensive. They're extensive. I mean, I don't know if you've got steps where you are, but for us, it's pretty lateral moving. Um, but I think back to your point about about speaking, and I think one one point that we really wanted to get across was to be speaking in an accessible way, right? I mean, Cliff, you've been the senior curator at Hayward Gallery for a number of years, so there's being very true to art historical discovery, but also engaging different types of audiences, right? And not just staying within a very like art historical speak. Um, and I think that's something that we really want to flesh out. Yeah. Would you ab- agree? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I definitely would agree. Um, yeah. So, so in, in, um, in my role anyway, at the, at the, uh, Hayward gallery as a curator, as a, as a institutional or an organizational curator, basically you're the sort of uh, middle person between, um, the artwork or the artists and the general public. Um, and Mm. a wide variety of general publics. Uh, And so a large part of what you do is um, it's a facilitation role or an interpretation Mm. role, Um, different ways of saying communicating, for example. So it's basically um, uh, sort of training or being the person between uh, the interface between um, explaining, communicating, translating, um, or finding the best way to put forward uh, an artist's uh, artwork and ideas. I love what you say about translating, and that's something that really resonates with with me. Um, I mean, my path has been different. Uh, I 
lived in London, then in Hong Kong for a number of years where I actually didn't do literal translation because that was far too difficult for me, um, but was working primarily in the commercial sector. And so as a gallerist, but occupying a more curatorial role, there was a lot of communication, um, but back to your term, translation, you know, between artists' work to collectors, artists' work to curators, artists' work to a general public who might just walk into your gallery and just trying to engage, right, like different groups of people into what you believe in and what you see and inspiring them in turn. I mean, inspiring maybe is a bit lofty, but <laughs> there, there is that aim, there is that aim. Mm. And you've also been a bit on the uh, the speaking circuits, and that's probably given you some of the yes, some of the foundation yes. or idea to get going with the the Art Bite series as well. Yes. Well, I do like speaking. I mean, I have a background in law, and at one point, I thought I'd become a barrister. That was a sharp fail. But <laughs> um, <laughs> carrying forward, yes, I've I've um, yeah lectured at Sotheby's Institute, the Courtauld, and so on and so forth. And there is that passion for educating and sharing and hopefully a way that doesn't sound like you're stuck in the 19th century. And what, um, what gave rise to the, um, the art bite series, which is, uh, going really well and it's available on Ooh, Jen's Instagram. <laughs> it is available on my Instagram. Um, thanks for the plug. Um, art bites started, uh, a about a month ago, um, which doesn't sound very long, but there is now a whole series. And it started because of Art Basel Hong Kong and their online viewing rooms. And there was this opportunity. Love an um, online to, room. Of an online <laughs> viewing room. <laughs> you, know, you know, there's still a lot of question marks. But anyway, you could, you could see the art. But what was really missing and what I really missed is having that one minute, that one minute and a half to speak with either someone I know, but also people I didn't know uh, about the artists and the artwork and doing so in a way that was personal, informative, uh, but also engaging. So I realized that while, yeah, you could see something digitally, that just took away the human element, right? That took away the soul from actual engagement and communication, which is something that I really deeply enjoy. So I just started it on a whim. And the offshoots of that have been quite fun and quite incredible. Um, but you've also done a lot of talking and engaging. And I think this is I think everyone should, out there should know that Cliff is an incredible coach. <laughs> um, so maybe you could tell us a bit more about your coaching, right? And um, how communicating for you is not just about art and in a you know, institutional sector. It's wider afield. Mm, definitely. Coaching is something um, that I sort of like uh, found my way into, I guess, a few years ago. Um, I trained up as a as a a professional coach, a fresh coach. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's something that I, I sort of took to and um, yeah. really enjoyed. And it, so it's you know, completely separate in a way to uh, the day job. Not wholly unrelated, as, as we shall see through the multiple episodes that we record. As we shall see. <laughs> yes. da, da, da. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a sort of a, a, a discipline of communication in a way. Um, mm, discipline uh, of communication. Yeah, I love when that. when you're speaking oh. um, one uh, one to one with a person, 
and you're wholly devoting your concentration, your thinking, um, to that person. And, and the most important thing is listening. So being yeah. completely guided and, and listening to what, uh, the coachee says, um, something quite amazing happens for the coachee and a person who's talking and given the space and the freedom to, uh, work through particular issues or, or just a place in their life, or just to actually find out what's, what's making them tick on the inside, just the process of articulating that, um, over an extended period of time without the other person sort of, uh, jumping in and saying, Oh yeah, that reminds me mm, of when this happened yeah. to me as a kid. So without that sort of interruption, but just having a space held open for them, is actually really powerful. Um, and the space to unravel. Yeah, and it's it's something that we don't yeah, often have in life. Is that is that space to um, just have somebody uh, listen and let us work through things verbally? Yeah, that's something that I've been thinking about quite a bit. Um, listen, the distinction between listening and hearing, mm. and actually curated a project about that distinction. Um, earlier last year in 2019. Uh, but before I get into being super excited about this, because I mean, coaching and psychology and engagement with humans, this is, I could go on about that, but that's definitely not what we're here for to talk about today. Um, maybe, I don't know, Cliff, should we talk about curating or you know, what the hell is curating? Do we need a definition? <laughs> like, I mean, we, we have a running joke between us whenever, as you, you know, you said at the start, when we come across another gift list, I'm like, here you go, Cliff, it's been curated. <laughs> um, so what is curating to you or for you, Cliff Lawson? <laughs> oh, no, I got thrown my way first. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Yeah. So we thought we'd have to set this out a little bit because the, uh, the podcast is called between two curators. So, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to sort of like lay the ground a bit. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've spoken, I guess, a bit about, um, uh, curating as a, uh, as a kind of facilitation, um, what that means in an, in an organizational context between, uh, art and artists and the public. Um, but the, the term and the concept um, uh, goes uh, way back uh, to its roots, uh, like to curate, to care for. Um, yeah. And basically uh, to, like you can hear as a, you can have it as a, a curate. Um, so you could care for somebody in a medical sense or even in a spiritual sense. Oh. Um, but in, in an art sense, that's actually come through a more, um, what we'd say museological or, or collections based history where you might develop a collection um, you might develop the expertise that sits alongside that collection um, and bring yeah. bring a sort of specialist knowledge of objects um, and artworks in, in into um, to understanding and to showing and to sharing uh, that work uh, and it, yeah. it dates back to things like cabinets of curiosity, um, where lots of lots of people, explorers, travelers, were bringing many things back from around the world. Lots of it also stolen, um, 
but those <laughs> those cabinets of curiosity keeping us in check cliff <laughs> <laughs> not to be repeated yeah. uh, let us caution not to be repeated. um yeah. cabinets of curiosities um there's a fantastic one in the british museum um that everybody should go see when we are allowed out of our front doors again but uh uh you know various objects from around the world that could uh, demonstrate or show knowledge so it's a way of developing a specialism of knowledge in the field mm. this is making me think of the pitt rivers museum in oxford mm. yeah it's a great example it's, it's really like getting lost there end of that sentence sorry. <laughs> <laughs> i got lost in museum sorry speak and, uh, <laughs> it was fantastic and it was great and that's that's the end of that story <laughs> Um, but it's it's true that museums of today are places to get to get lost in. They're absolutely fascinating repositories. Yeah, and I think it's it's such an interesting history to think about, and also from the museological side, which is which is very different to my experience of um, curating in a practical sense. Mm, mm. Uh, I mean, I would completely completely agree with you. And I mean, at the end of the day, it, it is Latin, so I can't disagree with that, with the etymology. But it, it, it does come from a place of place of care, um, caring about artists, caring about artworks. But I mean, a big thing that I've always been interested in, in is dialogue. And when it comes to dialogue, I mean, I, I studied art history in a university that was very, very, very traditional, very traditional. I don't think I can add any more fairies. Um, and I think that initiated my my sense of discovery. So going off and living in Hong Kong for five years. So I've always been interested in creating dialogue, primarily, I mean, always in the in the contemporary sense, but between artists of different regions, across different mediums, um, who you might not necessarily at first sight see a thread between, um, but trying to weave one uh, with delicacy, but always thinking about that initial standing point, which is, you know, to care, right? Um, so leaning into each of the practices, each of the origins, um, but also looking at where they can go. And I would say that, you know, with me, one thing that's always been, I've been passionate about, it's about finding, you know, alternative approaches to exhibition making. So in a sense, it's actually quite different, you know, from the museum. And, you know, that really started when uh, when I was working with this uh, commercial gallery, Edouard Malin Gallery, and we started collaborating with nonprofits and making exhibitions happen along with them or with external curators and finding spaces to do projects which, well, you might not necessarily expect an exhibition to take place there. You know, I think back to a first example where um, we took over a private apartment in Liverpool at the time of the Liverpool Biennial and we exhibited an Indonesian collective called Tramarama. And you might ask, like, why would you bother showing their work in a private apartment. Well, I mean, it was because they were looking at the way the digital world was impacting our apprehensions of reality, especially in a domestic context. So it was curating, see, matchmaking, um, if one can call it that. And 
that sort of approach has followed since. I mean, we did an exhibition with an incredible artist called Yuan Yuan, who creates these elaborate, beautiful oil on canvas paintings. And we did it in a palazzo in Bergamo where it actually looked like his paintings were an extension of the palazzo, right? Or um, most recently, you know, had a six month uh, project space in a beautiful grade one listed building in Islington, where we did a series of three exhibitions, each time thinking about listening, quiet, meditation, different topics that might arise from entering a deconsecrated space. So, I mean, I I think I bring this up because obviously that's my own personal trajectory, but it's also, I think it's just interesting to think about these different angles to curating, right? Even though it will have that very, very original core of care, right? There's actually quite a spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're, um, list some great examples there. So it's curating as exhibition making, which is probably, you know, how we kind of, uh, sort of basically understand, uh, that term in, in terms of galleries and museums and, and art in, in a contemporary world. Um, and, I, and you mentioned Trauma Rama there, who are great artists that everybody should go look up. Um, and as well that uh, hey. deconsecrated church in Islington. Now, that's where you had that um, listening hearing exhibition. Is that right? Sorry, excuse me? The deconsecrated church in Islington. That was where that um, oh, exhibition yeah, you yeah, mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah. before on on listening hearing was staged. That's ironic. That's this is really funny. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the listening show. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. It was actually the very first exhibition that we held there, and it was called Listen, and it was a site specific installation by a Chinese artist called Wang Wei. And it was performative and we, I mean, my friends joke that I built a glass box in a church, but that is what I did. To be fair, you (laughs) You you actually did build a glass box in a church. Um, So it was a glass box in a church and you had a performer who was inside every day. It was on rotation, incredible project. I mean, the collaborations with the Courtauld, students from the Courtauld, RCA, SOAS, you name it. And their point was to eavesdrop on visitors. And because of the way that the box was lit and uh, the texture of the glass, they actually became the subject of attention. So yeah, that was really, that was really poignant and enigmatic. And it really made you think about that fine line between hearing and listening and actually how we communicate and engage with one another. Right. Um, So I mean, it's an interesting example of how coming back to one of the first things that we said at the start of this podcast, how art can be a trigger for thinking about wider things, not to be so eloquent <laughs> in everyday life. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it was, I, I remember what the, the thing that was fascinating about it was like the deafening silence in this space. It's a mm. huge, huge glass box, um, frosted glass. Um, with the yeah. with the person inside um, backlit with some really strong bright spots, um, so yeah. you just see uh, their silhouette as they they sort of engage you visually, but at the same time there's this game um, happening amidst the deafening silence where uh, yeah they they're sort of listening to what's happening outside and then you're trying to get a sense of where is that person inside the box. 
Yeah. And I think just one thing that I'd add to that, I mean, this project by Wang Wei was first staged in 2006 in Beijing. And this is the only other time it's ever been recreated. And it's just interesting to think about evolutions of a project, you know, from 2006 to now, like what significance does that have, right? Obviously, there's been a, you know, a much, people connect much more through technology. Um, what is the context around it? And I mean, I mean, you must face that all the time as well, right? I mean, you've done a number of historical survey shows and, you know, placing an artwork back then is completely different to contextualizing it now, right? I mean, I'm thinking about um, the Space Shifters show, which I featured on Art Bites, and um, yeah. Which was what? Curating episode, as an evolving practice. Episode nine? It was episode nine. Yeah, good memory. Okay. To be fair, Ka-ching. we're only at episode 10 right now. so <laughs> We're at episode 12. Okay, Thank you fine. very much. We're on episode 12. <laughs> Jen's moving quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, with your example of, of that work first being staged um, in Beijing, um, uh, besides artworks traveling across time, it's absolutely fascinating that um, the whole thing is about uh, communication and often silence communication um, mm. or... Um, I mean, in the context of being presented in Beijing, China, suppressed communication, um, because there isn't freedom of speech in in China. Right. And so how one encounters that work there, it could be it could be a a work of protest um, that could actually be shut down by the government if it's taken the wrong way uh, versus um, being presented in a place that has freedom of speech. Um, but also has a completely different um, visual history, I think, of the way that that people encounter and think about art when when they they meet it. Yeah, it's going to be a completely different approach. Um, I mean, now I'm and I've and I really felt tempted there to go down an epistemology route, like <laughs> being like perception, like how you perceive things. But maybe, maybe, maybe we will save that. We'll save that for when maybe we're engaging a psychologist or one of the very interesting people we hope to have chats with, yeah. right? We'll put um, that in our, on this podcast. In our curatorial back pocket. Um. <laughs> exactly, in our curatorial back pocket. <laughs> but you are, I mean, you're absolutely um, right that taking, um, uh, presenting art around the world in different contexts is absolutely um, a fascinating uh, exercise and, and something that's a privilege as well in, in what it is that, it that is, we do. It is, yeah. And, um, you know, certain work you can you can take around the world. And there was a, an exhibition I worked on called The Light Show. And, and mm. that went to um, New Zealand, Australia, and um, the United Arab Emirates and Chile. And um, each of those times. Oh, casual. Uh, yeah, totally casual. <laughs> 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 we sort of had the world map out there. Um, uh, planning, planning the travel. It's the only tour I've worked on where we actually used both canals around the world uh, for wow, sea shipping. That's amazing, amazing, yeah. But yeah. the, um, you know, each of each of those audiences, it was really refreshing and and inspiring to see local audiences bring their histories of, you know, not just art but um, a way of being. Um, you know, for example, with the light show, a way of understanding totally. light mm. and what light means in, in any given um, place. It has so much to do with landscape. Yeah. It has so much to do with, you know, how we negotiate cities and countries. And um, and so everybody would sort of brought their own um, perspectives, which was um, something that was really amazing to see. 
I love what you say about bringing their own perspectives. And I think that, I mean, that leads in quite naturally to one of the reasons why we wanted to kickstart between two curators, right? Because obviously we're looking at art and artists and places when we are putting together exhibitions, but we're also really inspired by the people around us and how they see things and how they create and how they do. Um, so maybe, Clef, should we talk a little bit more about talking more? <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is the uh, the alternate name for this episode is the meta episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's talking about talking. Um, definitely. So uh, I think what what we we aim to do in this podcast is is have some really interesting dialogues about creativity, and and art will play a role in there. But we're we're definitely not going to focus just on artists, and we're we're already putting together some you know, exciting, uh, people from, from different walks of life, whether it's from food or film or science. Um, who else you got there, Jen? Architecture. Well, I mean, architecture, um, well-being and fitness. And, um, I mean, I think it's really just a reflection of being, obviously curators and being in the art world, but also being humans, right? I mean, I was saying to Cliff the other day, we met, what, like five years ago? And one of the things that was amazing is while we shared this passion for art and artists and so on and so forth, it was also like, oh, let's have a conversation about yoga. And then all of a sudden we're having a conversation about design. And then suddenly we're having a conversation about something else. Um, and it, it's what makes us up as people, right? Uh, it's it's of a more holistic approach. Yeah, definitely recognizing the sort of interconnectedness of everything, and uh, yes. of, of course, all those all those wonderful people um, aren't just specialists wonderful in their field, people. but you know, of course, have interests in in art and other forms of um, uh, creativity and um, how they're all connected. So, yeah, we, we're hoping to explore those connections. The the spaces between. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's so important. And I think it comes back to you know, what we're talking about in terms of forms of curating. It's that lateral thinking. And I know people have asked me beforehand, like why art? I mean, I, I mentioned briefly beforehand that I, I was initially, I studied law uh, and I come from a family of scientists. And the reason, what I say to them each time is that for me, art is one of the most empathetic, let's see if I can get that out, is one of the most empathetic yet critical mediums uh, by which we can communicate about topics. So using it as a springboard to explore further afield. Infinitely relatable, all about communication. Yeah. Definitely inspiring. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully funny. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> if not, we'll just Hilarious be laughing cliff. at our own Hilarious jokes. Cliff. Totally fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Half an hour of us just laughing at our own jokes. Um, so we want to end every episode with um, a little, yeah. little nugget, a souvenir that you too can put in your back pocket as you're taking your daily walk. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a question that we will set our speakers, but we're going to ask ourselves the question for the first episode. Um, so, Jen, what creative inspiration? Hi. Cliff. Hi um, what creative inspiration? <laughs> Uh, do you have for our listeners? Mm, I love this question. Um, 
I could list out a bunch, but I'm going to focus on one, and I think it's a really important. You only get one. one. Good. Um, I only get one. All right. Okay. I'm going to just you know stream it. it it's about uh, permission to hover. So sometimes you'll have an idea. Maybe you're out for a walk. Maybe you're in the shower. Maybe you've just had a conversation with a friend. And I like to let it just hover over my head. And maybe in a week's time or a month's time, it could even be a year, it could even be two years time. Another little piece of the puzzle will come into your life, make sense. And at that point, you can grab that idea that's been hovering over your head and make it happen. And I think that that idea of hovering is a is an exciting one because it means it doesn't leave you. It just means that maybe it's not... Yeah. number one on the agenda for today. And it's about also not forcing things. I really have found that things happen to unravel. So that's mine. Let things hover. Very good. Like that. Um, and uh, what about you, Cliff? What creative inspo do you have for our <laughs> listeners? <laughs> um, very good one. I like that permission to hover. Um which I, I first heard as permission to Hoover. And I thought, well, we're all stuck in our, <laughs> in our houses anyway. So just give yourself permission to clean. It's going to be okay. Um, but permission to Hoover, mine's, mine's not dissimilar to that. Um, and it's about breaking patterns. And I think mm. if, if, and hopefully we'll hear this from other people as well, that to find uh, a kind of creative inspiration that you don't expect, you need to do something that is... Ooh surprisingly unexpected. So um, need to do the thing that you didn't think you'd be doing or the thing that you don't actually want to be doing um, mm. or something that is a challenge. And, you know, there's lots of ways of challenging um, yourself, ourselves um, when, when we're in uh, some kind of quarantine or lockdown. Um, yeah. But when one is doing that, learning something new, breaking patterns, um, your mind works in a different way and you will learn and be able to take things um, from that new way of thinking, new way of doing things and apply them to the things that you are familiar uh, to uh, that you're used to doing. Um, and you'll then uh, find new ways of thinking and making uh, something that was old, um, new and exciting and, and creative uh, once again. I love that. I don't think I break enough patterns or I do it without noticing it. And I'm definitely going to be consciously thinking about doing that. I mean, obviously right now we've been all forced to break <laughs> um, certain mm. patterns and I already see the benefits for, you know, the benefits from it um, for me as an individual in terms of like, yes, sleep primarily. Um, but I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to carry that forward with my day. Hmm. Food for thought. Very good. So we are very much looking forward to rolling out a series of new and exciting guests. Yes. In yes. fact, we'll start taping the next one right now. Um, <laughs> no, we won't. You will start listening to the next one right now. Um, that is just, <laughs> just keep press play for the next episode. Just, just, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Well. And cool. Well, this is us uh, signing off. Then I'm going to go uh, Hoover. Um, you're, and you're going to go Hoover. Yeah. And I'm going to break some bread. I don't know. Kidding. Okay. That, that, I'm getting awkward. Break okay, something thank and then you, everyone. <laughs> thank you very <laughs> yes, much. <exactly. laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.